What a great way to meditate uh, on the Lord and on His Word. And uh, a lot of times people say, man, it's, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to memorize Scripture, and I understand that, but a lot of times if you can put it to a tune and you can sing it and you can think about it, um, you'll just find yourself throughout the day, all of a sudden you're singing a song or singing a tune or something, you're like, what is that? Like, oh, that's that Scripture song. And whether it's rejoice in the Lord or I will call upon the Lord or uh, this is the day or whatever it might be, all great scripture songs. And uh, it's important that we not only uh, sing hymns, but also spiritual songs, right? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And uh, that's a great way to do that there, all right? Well, take your Bible tonight, and uh, I want you to go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and of course we're doing our series on Sunday nights on developing biblical standards, right? We're not telling you what standards to have, but simply how to develop biblical standards, uh, looking at what scripture, uh, looking what scripture teaches and how important these things are, uh, but in 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Tonight we're going to be kind of looking at uh, two different things, maybe depending on time. We may just, just get to one. We'll see uh, what happens here. But um, uh, tonight we're going to be dealing kind of with a topic that I would say is probably um, very controversial. <laughs> yep. And uh, so that's why we're going to deal with it, right? Uh, we want to look at what the Bible says. We're going to let Scripture speak for itself, Right. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 9, um, he says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, uh, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or co- pearls or costly array. Verse 10, But which becometh women professing godliness with good work. Um, and so Paul is talking here kind of about um, modesty. And of course, as Paul is writing to Timothy, Timothy is the pastor uh, of the church of Ephesus, as Paul is writing to him and giving some instruction on uh, modesty. And of course, this is probably a very, um, probably well-known verse to many that uh, kind of talk about this subject, because he says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Uh, and so modesty uh, obviously being a key part uh, of this passage here. But I think when you, again, it's important, again, that we make sure to take Scripture um, and let it speak for itself, right? Because notice what he says at the beginning of verse number 9. What does it say? In like manner also, right? So what does in like manner mean? That means there's something that was previous to this. And when you look here from verses 1 going down, um, Paul is talking about worship, right? He's talking about how important worship is and the right kind of worship and the right kind of prayer, um, and who we should pray for, um, right, uh, for kings and for all that are in authority. Um, and so he's talking about our worship and our representation uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then he says in verse number 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Now, I believe before we can go into uh, modest apparel and looking and seeing what these words actually mean, because we're going to break down uh, the word uh, modest apparel, we're going to break down the word shamefacedness, we're going to break down the word sobriety, we're going to see what these words mean. But before we can kind of get into this, I think it's important that we really understand what the Bible uh, speaks of, of apparel, right? If we're thinking about 
clothing, apparel, right? Uh, where is the first time that we find clothing? Genesis, right? All the way back in the book of Genesis, right? So let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis and let's see uh, how this all came about, okay? And again, I understand the audience that I'm dealing with tonight, and so I'm going to try to be very, uh, very careful, very respective uh, of the audience that I have this evening. But I believe this is an important subject um, because, uh, let's face it, the world's going to try to tell us one thing. The world's going to try to tell our teenagers something. The world's going to try to tell our children something, right? Um, And we need to know what the Bible says uh, about this subject Uh, because it is important, as we'll see as we go through this. But notice in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 20, it says, And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So here's we have the first marriage union taking place. But he says in verse 25, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay? Now it's important that we understand this, right? In the beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, they did not have clothing, Right? Uh, The Bible says they were naked, but notice it says they were not ashamed. There was no shame in this, okay? Now, what happens, though? Look with me in chapter 3. In chapter 3, verse number 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Okay, now notice this. Remember what we just saw in chapter 2? There was no shame, but now in chapter 3, Adam says, I was afraid, and notice why he's afraid. Was he afraid because he heard God's voice? No. Watch what he says. He says, I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Now, wait a minute. Before, in chapter, in chapter 2, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, there is no shame. There's no shame, Right? But now something has happened where Adam says he has he and Eve have hid themselves because they were afraid because they were naked. So what is it that caused this shame, right? When we go back to verse number 6, it says when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So watch what happens here. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God told them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And instead of obeying God, they disobeyed God. They ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says when they sinned, now shame came upon them. There's now shame, okay? And notice what happens. Because they were naked, what does it say? And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, right? So they're ashamed because of their nakedness now. They're ashamed when God comes and they hear God's voice. What do they do? They hide themselves, right? Now, that's kind of interesting. They've already sewed fig leaves together, and yet they're still hiding, They've already kind of tried to cover their sin, but yet they're still hiding. Why? 
Because, let's just be honest, they didn't do a very good job, right? And watch what happens when we continue here in the passage down in verse number 21. It says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. So here's the first time we have clothing being mentioned in the Bible, right? This clothing... God looks at what Adam and Eve has done, their sin. Of course, he judges that earlier in chapter, uh, in chapter 3 here. God, of course, asks Adam what happens. He tries to blame Eve, and he asks Eve what happens. She tries to blame the serpent and all of this. But God, they understood that they had sinned. They were ashamed. They were naked. They tried to cover themselves. But when God came, God recognized that what they had done was not sufficient. And so God, the Bible says, he took skins And, of course, that means in order to get these skins, something had to die. There was an animal, an innocent animal that had to die to cover their nakedness. And the Bible says, And God made coats of skins and clothed them. Again, with the audience that we have, I'm not going to get into definitions and things like this, but I think we understand, uh, and even when you look at... um, when you look at really a definition of nakedness, it simply means uh, without covering. That's what the word nakedness means. It means without covering. There's no covering, okay? Um, and, and so I think we understand as they're, they're, they're ashamed and they're hiding that, that nakedness was publicly shameful. It was publicly shameful. That's why they're hiding. They're hiding from God because of this, Right? Uh, again, why did God have to make coats of skin? Because of sin, right? Again, in the Garden of Eden, before they sinned, they were still naked, but there was no shame. But then after they disobeyed God, and now sin has entered into the world, now there is shame involved in this, okay? Again, we're talking about this, this nakedness that was publicly shameful. And God, when, when man tried to cover themselves, man way... Man's way just wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient. Fig leaves just didn't cut it, right? It didn't cover enough. Uh, and so when we think about uh, clothing, and we think here, God made them coats of skins and clothed them. That idea is to cover, right? Again, nakedness means without covering. And so the clothing is there to cover the nakedness, right? Um, Christians shouldn't wear clothes that are uh, seductive or provocative or pushing the, the bounds of nakedness because clothes are designed to cover, not to draw attention to, right? They're, the purpose is to cover, right? So when we think about what God is saying here in Genesis chapter 3, and now we come back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and again, you'll find all throughout Scripture, especially dealing with Um, idolatry um, and paganism and things like this, one thing that is heavily involved in a lot of this is nakedness. There's a lot of nakedness involved in in these type of things, right? And so we're we're looking um, at, again, we're talking about Christians. We're not talking about the world. We're not talking about the lost. We're not talking, uh, again, we understand the world is going to be worldly. We cannot be shocked right? We shouldn't be shocked and surprised when the world acts worldly or does worldly things, okay? Um, but we're looking at Christians and how should Christians act and how should Christians um, dress and respond and, and these standards that Christians need to, uh, to have for their life, right? 
So think with me back here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Notice he says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Okay? Now again, let's, let's think about this word modest. Right? Um, the word modest does not, and even as you go through this, uh, Paul does not give um, specific types of things. Okay? Uh, because that's not what this passage is about. It's not specific types of clothing, okay? Notice he says modest apparel, right? The word modest simply means decent and orderly. That's what the word modest means. It means to be decent and orderly. Um, so clothing ought to be decent, orderly, and in good taste, right? It ought to be decent. It ought to be, it ought to be orderly, Okay? Um, the word shamefacedness, right? When you look here, he says, adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness, right? This word shamefacedness means the avoidance of extremes. Now, that ought to tell us something right there, right? Again, this whole idea of, of standards, right? We have legalism on one side and we have license on the other side, but yet the Bible says we have liberty in Christ, Right? And so even this idea of uh, this word shamefacedness, it means the avoidance of extremes, right? And I think we can see both, both legalism and license go extreme. Could we not agree with that, right? Legalism, extreme. License, extreme, okay? Um, and again, I, I, understand who I, I understand who I have in the audience tonight, so I'm not going to try to, uh, to go into... into you know, detail and things, but I think, I think we can understand. I think, you know, you, you understand what I'm talking about here, right? Um, and so this shamefacedness, the avoiding of extremes. Again, Paul is not saying that women shouldn't have uh, nice clothes, right? Think of what he says here, shamefacedness with sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And so there are some that will say, well, that means uh, women shouldn't braid their hair. Uh, women shouldn't wear jewelry. Uh, women shouldn't wear makeup. Women shouldn't do, do any of these different things. That is not what Paul is saying here, right? Nowhere do you ever find that in Scripture, Okay, that's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying that women shouldn't wear these things or uh, uh, have a nice hairdo or uh, have braided hair or uh, wear, you know, earrings or a necklace or a bracelet or something like that. That's not what he's saying. Again, it's the avoidance of extremes. Okay, Um, the the excessive use of them to draw attention as a substitute for true beauty is what Paul is cautioning us on. Right. We are we are to be very careful that we don't use these things in excess as that's what we're trying to use to draw attention when it really ought to be just true beauty that draws the attention. So what is true beauty? Beauty. Well, again, if we're looking at what Scripture says, right, true beauty has nothing to do with the outside. Has nothing to do with the outside. Right. He said, well, how do you know that? Well, look in, uh, look in first, uh, first Peter, first Peter chapter three, what is true beauty or maybe what we would say modesty, right? Again, we're talking about being decent and orderly, avoiding extremes. What is, what does the Bible say? Again, not what man says, right? Again, um, don't go to the world to get our definitions, 
That's unfortunately, that's what we do sometimes. We go to the world to get our definitions. We shouldn't do that. We ought to go to the Bible. What does God say is the definition, right? Because if, if, we're, if we go to the world, we're going to be really confused, okay? Look what he says in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wise. Notice he says in verse 2, Why they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, so here's the adorning, right? Let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel. Well, that kind of sounds similar to what Paul just said, right? He almost uses the exact same verbiage, right? So that's not what really brings true beauty, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God. What are those next three words? Of great price. Of great price. God says, if you want to know what true beauty is, God says, it's not the outward adorning. It's not all that you put on on the outside. And look, again, Peter is not, nor is Paul saying it's not wrong for a a lady or a man to dress nicely. He's not saying that at all, right? It's, It's not a problem there, okay? The issue comes when it is the excessiveness of these things to try to bring beauty when God says beauty comes from the heart. He said, it is the, it is, let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So again, God says that true beauty has to do with a meek and a quiet spirit. Well, what does the word meek mean? What does the word meek mean? means humble, right? Meekness has the idea of humility, right? So if a person is humble, if they are, if they have humility, and again, we're not talking about, you know, somebody saying, hey, I just want y'all to know I wrote the book on humility, right? Okay. Uh, That's not, that's not what we're talking about humility. We're talking about, this is the inner man, right? The humility is on the inside. It's truly of God. Then is that person going to be trying to draw the attention to the flesh? Of course not. You're not going to want to do that. Why? Because there's humility. There's that meek and quiet spirit. There's that humility there. There is that quiet spirit, not trying to uh, be the focus, not trying to have uh, all of the attention. Okay. Again, this is why modesty has the idea of being decent and orderly, shamefacedness, the avoidance of extremes. Because let's think about this. When we think about modesty... Modesty is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And that heart issue will be reflected in our outward behavior. Not just in what we wear, but even the attitude, right? That's why he says a meek and quiet spirit. Quiet spirit is not somebody that's always having an attitude and uh, somebody that's always loud and boisterous and everybody's got to hear me. No, no. It's a meek and quiet spirit. It's more than just what we wear, but even how we behave and act around others. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. I've seen some, uh, I've seen some ladies that have outwardly uh, dressed modestly or what we would have the idea of modestly, right? Right? 
Um, but their actions have been anything but. Their actions are nowhere modest. Because again, modest is not the idea of what we're wearing. Modest is the idea of being decent and orderly. Um, Crude, rude, uh, flirtatious. Oh, but on the outside, they, 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 they dress what we would consider modestly. So because they're dressing modestly, does that mean that they are modest? No, because again, it has to do with the heart issue. It comes back to the heart. What does God describe as true beauty? It is that meek and quiet spirit. Okay? Um, our faith, what we believe, ought to influence um, our behavior. It ought to influence our speech. It ought to influence our actions. It ought to influence what we wear. So again, Paul is not giving a list of what to wear and not to wear. Okay? Um, you're, just, you're not going to find that. Okay? Um, he simply shows that godliness is going to flow from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's where godliness, it, it comes from the inside out. And that's why even in, if you think about um, Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, In verse number 14, he says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Right? He says, what are we supposed to do? We are to be putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as I think one of the young people uh, quoted Ephesians tonight about putting on the whole armor of God. Right? He says here in Romans, we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, Again, that's, that's not outward. That's inward. So... What people see and what people hear should be a reflection of what is taking place on the inside, from the heart, right? And that's me putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. As I walk in the the Spirit and as I walk close to the Lord Jesus Christ, then that is going to be reflected in the outward, right? It's reflected in our outward, right? So is what we do, is what we uh, wear, is where we go, is it becoming to the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Is it becoming to Christian character? Okay. Uh, Because again, it's not about me. We kind of talked about that this morning. Uh, Sometimes we want it my way. Well, it's, it's not my way. If, if I'm a Christian, it ought to be his way. What, what is, what is pleasing to the Lord? Not just what pleases me, but what, what is pleasing to the Lord? And God says what pleases him is godliness in that meek and quiet spirit. And again, remember, what, remember who Paul is writing to here in Timothy, he, or in, in 1 Timothy. He's writing to Timothy as the pastor of the church of Ephesus. In Ephesus, there was, there was wealth, right? It was a very wealthy city. Um, and so, of course, again, women, women like to dress nicely. It's, it's not a, that's not a, Paul's not saying not to dress nicely, but it can lead to extravagant dress. It can lead to uh, luxuriousness, right? Um, and, uh, and this is what Paul is warning against, this idea of, uh, as he says, that um, uh, shamefacedness, right? The avoidance of extremes, okay? There's modest, right? There's, it means decent and orderly. There's shamefacedness, meaning the avoidance of extremes. But then uh, go back to 1 Timothy and look again what he says here. 
He says that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, right? And sobriety. Uh, again, don't, we have to be careful that we don't just take uh, a, a, a definition that we understand today and, and try to put it in Scripture, right? If we think of sobriety, we think of maybe somebody who has, uh, has maybe uh, they've had trouble with alcohol or something like that, and now they've been sober, right? Sobriety, right? That's not, that's not what he's talking about here, okay? Now, that's a good thing, <laughs> okay? That's not what he's talking about here, okay? When he says sobriety, this, this meaning of sobriety, it means having a sound mind and good sense. Now, again, it kind of goes along with not drinking alcohol and things like that, right? Because you need to have a sound mind and you need to have good sense. And obviously alcohol uh, or drugs and things like that, it impairs those senses. Um, and so, but he's talking about having a sound mind and good sense. So he says, let women adorn themselves. In, again, and think about this. He's not, he's not saying clothing. Do you understand what he's saying? He's not saying women adorn themselves in a certain type of clothing. That's not what he's saying. He says women adorn themselves in decency and order. That women should adorn themselves with the avoidance of extremes. That women should adorn themselves with a sound mind and good sense. Why? Because it indicates an inner self-control. There's an inner self-control, that sobriety. It's an inner self-control. There is, if you would say, a, a spiritual radar, if you will, that, that tells a person what is good and proper. Now, how do, we, how do we know what that spiritual radar is? Well, again, if I am walking in the Spirit and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my life, guess what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to help me to know what is right and what's not right. Um, and this is where, again, it's, it's very important that it's, it's not just a, a list of rules. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. Paul, over and over and over, and as we find in Scripture, Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. You won't yield to the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Right? And again, it, it, if I could say this, it goes back to kind of the message this morning. We don't want to yield control to God. We want to stay in control. We want to do what we want to do. Wait a minute. If, if we're going to be the Christian that God wants us to be, and have the testimony that God wants us to have. It can't be about what I want. It has to be about what the Lord Jesus Christ wants, right? Uh, it's not being concerned with what everyone else thinks or is doing, but what would please the Lord and what would be proper for a Christian uh, who's wanting to resemble or to look like Jesus Christ. Because again, that's what he's saying. As Christians, as we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are being examples of Jesus Christ. So that when people see us, we want them to see Christ in us. And so even, and again, this, this all goes back to the heart, right? If I don't have a heart to want to have others see Christ, if I don't have a heart to walk in the Spirit, if I don't have a heart to, to follow the Lord, then you can make up all the rules you want, and it doesn't really matter. You can even follow all the rules, and it doesn't really matter. Why? Because the heart's not in it. So what's more important, following the rules or having a right heart? I think as we look in Scripture, what's most important is the heart. Because when, we, when God has our heart and when the Holy Spirit is able to lead us and control us, look, it's not going to be a problem when, if the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't go there. 
No problem. If the Holy Spirit says, hey, you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't talk like that, no problem. Or if the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's probably not something that, that a, a Christian ought to wear, not a problem. Why? Because I'm, I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. I'm wanting to let the Lord work in my life, right? The problem comes, the, the resistance and the, the, the stiff-neckedness, as kind of the Bible talks about being stiff-necked, right? It comes when the Holy Spirit's trying to work, and we're like, hey, I want to do what I want to do. I want to go where I want to go. I want to say what I want to say. I'm going to act the way I want to act. I want to wear what I want to wear. And that's where the problem comes. It's not the outward that's the problem. It's the heart that's the problem. That's where the real issue is. And this is why, as we saw in, in Peter there, he says that, that the, 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 something that is of true value to God is that, that meek and quiet spirit, right? That it's not the outward adorning. It's not all of that, okay? It's the heart. It is that beauty of the heart, right? Um, and uh, again, it's not trying to fit in with the latest fashions. Um, look, the latest fashions of the world are, guess what? The latest fashions of the world are what? Weird. Weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure some of them are, yes, yeah. No. Think about it. The latest fashions of the world are what? Worldly. Right? And again, I'm not saying that all of the fashions are wrong. I'm just saying the, the fashions of the world are all going to be worldly. And so as a Christian, I have to make sure and examine, right? Just because the world says this is the new fashion doesn't always mean it's going to be right. Okay? And that's where, again, I've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit. I've got to be uh, saying, Lord, what is it, that, what is it that, you, that you want in my life? I want to make sure it's decent. I want to make sure it's orderly. I want to make sure it's not going to extremes. I want to make sure that, that I'm listening to you and having that sound mind and good sense as I walk with the Lord. Because here's the thing, right? Um. There is, there is such a, a worldly dress that is all about the flesh. It's all about drawing attention to the flesh. Okay? Um, and, and as Christians, we've got to be very careful about that, right? There are, there are attires. There are certain types of dress. Okay? Um, I mean, even, even the Bible speaks about it. You know, the Bible speaks of the attire of an harlot. There was something that, that even in the Bible days that, that harlots wore that identified them. They are a harlot. You didn't have to ask them. It's just by their dress, by what they wore, it identified them, right? I mean, he says in Proverbs 7.10, Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. It's very obvious what she was, right? Now, we would focus on that phrase, the attire of an harlot. But I want you to notice where that came from. Because the second part of the verse says, subtle of heart. You see, what was seen on the outside was a result of what was on the inside. There was a heart problem. There was a heart issue, 
right? Her heart was not right, and so therefore she purposefully dresses in a way to draw attention to herself. She purposely dresses in a way to produce those thoughts in the minds of men. Um, even Ma- Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, have ye, her- uh, uh, ye have heard that it was said of them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Right? Again, there's... Um, the way, uh, the way a person can dress, and, and I'm, I'm talking both, both sexes here, men and women. There's a way that we can dress that causes thoughts of other people to go where they should not go. Shouldn't, they shouldn't go that direction, right? And it's because of how they are dressed. Think about this. Even when you go all the way back, even to, to Genesis chapter 38, the Bible talks about how Tamar, who was... Um, uh, Judah's daughter-in-law dressed, or she dressed like a harlot. Again, there, there, was, there was certain things that identified them, okay? Um, and so as Christians, we've, we've got to be very careful about things. <laughs> I, I thought this was um, um, a, little, a little levity in this, right? Uh, Proverbs 11.22, this is great. As a jewel of gold and a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion, <laughs> <laughs> right uh, as a jewel of gold and a swine snout right uh, you know uh, but again this is just how this is just how god says this it's it's serious okay um and so it's it's very important but now i want you to come back to first uh first timothy in the last couple minutes here um i want to look at this because here's here's again where it's so important right he says uh, adorn themselves in modest apparel shamefacedness sobriety we looked at those things right but watch verse number 10. But here's the things. He's saying not, it's not all about the, the hair. Um, it's not all about the earrings and the necklaces and the costly array and, and all these fancy different things. It's not about those things. But in verse number 10, what, what is it about? But with good works. Good works. Now, there's obviously a, parent, uh, the, a parenthetical phrase in here. He says, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. The, the good works, as he's talking about here, this, the, as women who profess godliness, instead of it being all about the outward, it's going to be about the heart and about what we're doing, what we're doing for God. Right, and, and this is what he says: professing godliness with good works. What happens? The good works draw attention to God instead of what we're wearing, drawing attention to self. We're drawing attention to God in how we're we're living our life. Again, you think about what Paul says in First Corinthians sixteen uh, or First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. He says, "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which ye have of God?" which is in you and ye are not your own, therefore glorify God and your body and your spirit, which are God's. So God even says as a Christian, our body is the temple of God. How do we adorn the temple of God? If this body is the temple of God, when people look at it, what do they see? When people hear, what do they hear? When people see our actions, what do they see? Because he says, this body is the temple of God. And he says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. 
Again, it comes back to the heart. What is the heart issue in this? Is the heart a desire to please the Lord? Is the heart a desire to magnify God, or is it about magnifying self? Right? And this is why I believe it's important for Christians that we have to sit and we have to develop some biblical standards on dress and modesty. Now, again, I'm not here to tell you what, what you think it should be modest and what, how you should dress your family. That's not what I'm here to say. But I am here to say, as God has said, there is a, a right and a wrong way. There is something that God is looking for. And the first thing has nothing to do with appearance. It has to do with the heart. It has to do with the heart, right? Um, someone asked... Uh, a question one time, what do you do if, if you have uh, teenage daughters, right, who don't want to, maybe they don't want to dress right, or even teenage sons who don't want to dress right, uh, how do you get them to change? It's not about what they wear. If, if you're trying to get them to change what they wear, you're going after the wrong thing. You know what you need to go after? Their heart. Because you can force them to wear something that you think is right. But what's in their heart? Because if it's not in their heart, guess what? As soon as mom and dad aren't around, totally different. As soon as mom and dad are gone or as soon as they leave the home, whatever, it's going to be, well, I'm going to do now what I wanted to do all along. See, the, the heart was the problem, not what they were wearing. It was the heart. Okay? And that's why it's so important, especially as families, that we teach our, our children, hey, these are, these are the standards that we have. Again, we're, we're not talking about legalism, right? Uh, we don't have rules that everybody in the church has to dress a certain way or, uh, or things like that. But yet at the same time, we're not going to go into license and just, well, hey, it doesn't really matter what you wear. So, I mean, um, you know, go for it. It's all, it's all you. You know, I mean, hey. It's all under the blood anyway, right? So go ahead. We, we, have, we can just do whatever we want. No, 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 no. That's not it at all, right? Um, and that's why it's, it's so important that we teach, um, that we teach our, our, our families what, what is decent. Again, nakedness is the absence of covering. There's no covering there. And, and I would say, look, Men, dads, fathers, um, we, we've got to step up. We, we need to take some responsibility in our homes, right? Um, we would never let a man or a boy into our homes and into our bedrooms or our daughter's rooms uh, and let them uh, see them. And yet, what do we, what do, we do? We, we, we let them wear a swimsuit and parade them in front of everybody. Wait a minute, what happened to being modest? What happened to being godly? What happened to saying, hey, we want to make sure that we're, our body as the temple of God is pleasing to the Lord in these things, right? Again, that, that, when you go back to Genesis, that whole thing of nakedness was because they were without covering. As a Christian, if that was, if that was Adam and Eve, they were without covering and, and, and they were ashamed. They're hiding from God, until God finally comes and has to, to kill an animal and clothe them with coats of skins. I think God thinks this is serious. If he didn't think it was serious, he wouldn't have done anything about it. 
If he didn't think he was serious, he wouldn't have killed those innocent animals to cover their nakedness. And as, as Christians, look, a lot of times we just say, well, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's harmful. They're little or they're teenagers or whatever. No, no. Look, we've got to help them understand that this is not just about the outward appearance. It's about the heart. And, and as a young, at a young age, trying to help them understand the heart issue, to, to love the Lord and to want to serve the Lord and to follow the Lord and, and make sure that what we're doing is that which is pleasing to God. That's what he's looking for. That ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, that shamefacedness, that modest apparel, the sobriety. That's, that's what God is emphasizing here. Because the world is looking to see is there a difference in those who claim the name of Jesus or not? If there is no difference in those who claim the name of Jesus from them, then why do I need to follow them and be a Christian? Why do I need to follow them? And again, please understand, I'm not saying... Everybody has to go, you know, everybody has to go back and, and wear robes. And I mean, you look, you've got some religions that are very extreme. I mean, I mean, they, they wear robes all the way down to the floor and they cover their faces. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. Okay. But I'm saying we have to get into scripture and say, Lord, what, what would be honoring to you? Lord, you, you have my heart. You have my family. What do you want us to do? And allow the Holy Spirit and allow the Lord to lead us in these things. It's not about culture. It's not about family. It's not about religion. It's not about these things. It's, God, what do you want in our life? Lord, here's our heart. Here it is. What do you want for it? And let the Lord lead us in it. Can I tell you, you will have such liberty in that. There's such liberty in that because it's not about following a list of rules. It's not about just living however you want. We're letting the Lord lead us. And in that liberty, man, we can be able to say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You know, as a family, we've sat down and we've talked about this and we feel like these are the standards we're going to set and, and these, this is what we're going to do. And you know what? We're just going to follow God in this. And here's the thing. Guess what? There might be somebody else that doesn't do that. Well, how dare they? No, 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 no. We've talked about this before, right? Just because you say, well, hey, we're going to set this standard doesn't mean that everybody else has to set the same standard. This is where we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life and in our family, right? We're allowing God to lead us. You know what you need to do? Let God lead them. It's not your job to lead them. It's not my job to lead everybody's family here. Thank God for that, right? It's not my job. My job is to lead my family. That's my job. I don't lead your family. I lead mine. Okay? And as, as Christians, man, there is such liberty in that. And we can be able to say, hey, you know what? Even though someone else may not do it exactly the way I do it, they might have a higher standard. They might have a little bit lower standard. But you know what? Hey, they're letting God lead them. We're letting God lead us. And we're going to keep moving forward for Jesus Christ. But there's got to be something. We can't just relegate it to license or to legalism. We've got to take the word of God. Look at what God says and set some standards. Again, remember, what is a standard? A standard is simply a rule that I impose upon myself to help me to keep the things that I see that God is teaching me and leading me in. 
So, personally, are there certain things that I don't let my family wear? Yeah, absolutely. Certain things I don't let my family wear. Certain, certain places I don't let my family go. But you know what? That's my family. I'm not going to be like, hey, everybody, here's what I'm doing. You got to do it too. No. Why? Because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit leading you. You think somehow I'm greater than the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. I've got enough to worry about myself. I don't need to worry about you too, right? Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But get into the Word of God and find out, hey, this is, this is our standard. This is what we're going to do as a family. This is what we're going to do as far as even our actions, uh, places that we go, our dress, whatever. This is what the Holy Spirit's leading us to do, and this is what we as a family are going to do. But make sure, make sure it's not about the rules. Make sure you have the heart. Make sure you have the heart. Very quickly, just a personal example here. When I was 17, I uh, told my parents basically that I was done with religion. I was done with Christianity. And uh, I just wanted to go back to America. We were missionaries in Africa at this time. So I just want to go back to America and do my thing, live my life the way I want to live it. And you can ask my dad. My dad didn't try to change my desire of going back to America. My dad didn't try to change my desires for the things of the world or anything like that. But I remember going to my dad's office, sitting at, across from his desk. And he said, Andrew, he said, I don't know how it happened. But he said, I lost your heart. I lost your heart. And he said, I'm sorry. But he said, I'm going to do everything I can to get your heart back. And he did. He did everything he could to get my heart back. It wasn't about the outward. It was about inside. And I thank God that he worked hard to get my heart back. Because if he wouldn't have worked to get my heart back, I don't know if I'd even be standing here today. But he understood how important it was. Not just about the outward. But making sure that not only in your family, in your, your, your marriage, your children that God has the heart, but making sure that the parents have the heart of their children as well. That's what Solomon said. Son, give me thine heart. Now, obviously, they need a relationship with God. But parents, if we don't have our children's hearts, when we sit down and explain these things to them, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like Charlie Brown. Blah, 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 blah. We need their heart. And more importantly, we need to help them understand why it's so important that God has their heart and that they can listen to the Lord lead them. And as a family, we're going to listen to God lead us. Why? Because you're preparing them for that one day when they step out of the home, 
It wasn't just mom and dad. No, no. It was God had my heart. And God still has my heart. And I still want to follow him. Even though I'm outside of mom and dad's home and I'm outside of their rules and their boundaries now, I want to follow God because he has my heart. It's a heart issue. Father, I pray you'd help us with this, Lord. Lord, I, I know it could have been explained better. Lord, you know my heart in this. God, I pray that you would just help us as Christians to realize how important it is that you have our hearts. As parents, how important it is that we have the heart of our children. Lord, teaching them to follow God. Teaching them to listen to the Holy Spirit leading them in their lives. Father, would you work in our hearts and help us to realize it's a heart issue. To give you our hearts. And Lord, when you have our heart, it really, where we go, what we say, what we wear, it's not going to be an issue because we're going to be listening to you. One of their heads bowed and their eyes closed just for a moment. We're not going to stand, but the piano is just going to play softly for a moment. Does God have your heart? Does God have your heart? If not, I tell you, it's, it's going to be rough, rough living for him. Fathers, do you have the heart of your children? Not just are they obeying your rules. I understand we have to have rules in our home. But do you have their heart? That they see that you're trying to help them to become like Jesus Christ. Wanting to follow Him. Listen to the Holy Spirit leading guiding it's a heart issue